Anyway, um, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, um, turn it on. If it's on your phone, follow along in, on the screen. Um, when you came in, you've got the bulletin. Inside there's an outline. You can follow along in the scriptures there. Um, Colossians chapter 1, um, that's where we're going to start. Um, we're going to look at a couple verses there. Um, then we're going to dive into a couple stories. So we're going to move a couple different places. Uh, we're starting a brand new series today um, called Rescued. And this is the series that's going to um, propel us into the Christmas series. We're going to be in this for four or five weeks. Um, and then we're going to start our Christmas series, which is way crazy to think that Christmas is coming really soon. Um, but. Uh, Today, let me, let me kind of set today up like this, um, and, and I'll use this, this opening illustration to kind of set up um, where we're going to go for the next couple of weeks, what this, um, what this service, or what these, um, uh, what these sermon series, that's what I'm trying to say, what this series is really going to be about. Um, a few months ago, probably a couple months ago or so, um, I, was out, I was walking my dog, Zeno, and, and I noticed as we were walking, um, there were a couple of ladies who were... Um, like squatted down looking underneath a car. Now, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know maybe they're having car trouble or whatever. You learned last week that I wouldn't have been much help anyway. Like I can pop the hood and look at it and like, yeah, somebody stole the motor. I, like that's about, that's about as far as I got. Like I can't do it. But I was going to offer anyway. And so I just started walking over that way. And as I was getting closer, um, my dog, Zeno, started going crazy. Now, he's not a barker, but he's just like, a, he's like an attacker. Like he just goes. And, and he just like took off, and he's pulling on his leash, and he's got like one of those pinch things, and he didn't even care that it was choking him out. And he's just, he's just going crazy because there was a cat underneath the car. And, and one of the ladies were like, we came out here and we saw this cat underneath the car and we think it's a stray. Of course it's a stray. All right, it's Carol, Iowa. Like they, they live in the sewers. Like get away from it as far away as you can. Like it's going to scratch you or bite you and kill you on the spot. Like it's just bad. And, and they're like, well, we don't want it to get run over. Why not? Like, I, like they're going through all this stuff and they're like, we want to find its home. And so I legit, I said, how long have you been trying to help this cat? And this is about 30 minutes. I said, that's 29 minutes too long for a cat. And they're like, we're trying to offer it food, and it just won't come out. Like, the cat just won't respond. Well, long story short, because Zeno wasn't helping the situation, like, I think he was scaring the cat even more because it's hissing at him. And, and then he's kind of looking at it like, oh, you hissing at me? Like, like I, I honestly thought about just, like, letting him off and seeing what would happen. The cat probably would have killed him because he's a sissy. Um, but anyway, um, we came back, we left, and we came back around the block, and the ladies had left, but Zeno was still going crazy like after that car because the cat was still under it. Later that day I was sitting in my office and I was just thinking about that cat. And I was thinking about the fact that the cat didn't understand that somebody was trying to rescue it. Now I know what you're thinking, it's because it's a cat and cats are dumb, right? But, but we don't know why. Let's put ourselves in the cat's position for, for a second. We don't know what the cat was doing. Like I, I didn't understand why the cat didn't just run into the lady's arms. I mean maybe, maybe the cat had been hurt. Like maybe it had gotten hit by a car. Maybe it was hiding. Maybe it had been abused and didn't want to be around people. Maybe something happened along those lines. But, but, but the cat didn't understand, hey, they're trying to rescue me. Like they're trying to help me. They're, they're trying to, to bring me out of darkness into the light. They're, they're, trying to, they're trying to bring purpose and meaning into my life. The, the cat probably thought they're trying to hurt me, and so I need to stay as far away from them as possible. And so the cat, don't miss this, is trying to avoid people who are trying to rescue it. I was thinking about that. And the more and more I thought about that, I was reminded of some illustrations that, that we've used here, here in this church. Um, back, in, back in 2010, there were some miners that got trapped in a mine in Chile. Rem- remember that? 
It's worldwide news. It's absolutely fascinating because people from all over the world got together and collaborated on how to save the miners, how to get them out of, uh, out of the mine. And then not too long ago, there was a soccer team that got trapped in a mine in Thailand. Remember this? And people from all over the world got together to collaborate on how to save these miners. And while they're doing it, nobody's understanding. Like, the miners are trapped down there. They don't know people are, are doing, going through all of this effort to rescue them. If you're my age, you, you remember um, back in the 80s, there was a little girl, baby who? Jessica. Yeah, you remember that, right? And we didn't have the internets back then. And so that was just like all over every news station. We were captivated by that. They got to save this little baby that fell into the well. And people from all over the place were getting together to try to rescue her. And here's the thing. The people that were trapped in the mines or, or, or the little girl trapped in the well, they had no idea what was going on around them, the amount of time, energy, and resources that were put into place to rescue them from their situation. And so when I thought about all of those instances, and I thought about me, and I thought about you, and I thought about all of us as a church, well, there, there, there have been times for all of us where God's been trying to, to get our attention, where God's been trying to intervene in our life, where he's trying to play the role of rescuer, but we're like the cat. We resist it. We don't want to be rescued because we might actually like our situation more than we like the solution. We, we, like, to, we like to operate in our dysfunction. We like, to, we like to stay in this comfort zone. And so, so we don't want to take our next step or we don't want to go or we want to just stay right here. Or maybe there's been times where God's trying to move. God's trying to get our attention. He's trying to work. He's trying to rescue us, but we're like the miners, completely unaware that he really is at work. Like, like he's trying to do something awesome and unique. And we're so unaware of all of the amazing stuff that he wants to do because our eyes aren't focused on him. Our eyes are focused on our problem. Our eyes are focused on our circumstances, on the situation of, of all the junk that's going on. And, and, and we're, 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 we're unaware that, that the pain and the suffering and the heartache that we're going through is one day going to be turned into something greater than we could ever imagine because he wants to rescue us. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this series, Rescued, for the next several weeks. We're really going to be looking at and coming back to each week um, a couple of verses that Paul wrote in the book of Colossians. Um, Paul wrote to this, this church in Colossae in Colossians chapter 1. He wrote in verses 13 and 14, for he has, what's that say? Rescued. So you see this is where this is coming from, right? For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and what's the next word say? Transferred, rescued and transferred. Those, those, those words are going to be key throughout this entire series. So he's rescued and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So again, for the next several weeks, that's where we're going. These are the launching pad verses um, for this message. Because as we, what I believe is that as we wrap our identity up in what Jesus has done for us rather than what we do for Jesus, we really can't experience this thing called abundant life. And so, so that's the series. Today we're going to be talking about being rescued. All right, that, That's where we're going today, just flat out being rescued. Now, in order to set this message up, so, so that was what the series is about. Now we're going to get into what the message is. Um, in order to set this up, I need to ask you a question. I need you to be honest with me. How many of you have ever made a really bad impulsive purchase? Raise your hand. How many of you drove it to, to church this morning? <laughs> Some of you, right? I did a Google search on all-time worst impulse buys. Number one was the ab roller. 
Anyone want to admit that they bought an ab roller? Anyone want to admit that? In the first service, a couple people raised their hand and said, yeah, I, I bought one. Um, I have obviously never had one. I mean, you could just like, really, Pastor? Or I have, and it just doesn't work. I don't know. Figure that. Out. I remember the infomercials for those. Though. You guys, everybody remember the infomercials? And, and they've got these, like, chisels, actors and actresses out there. And, like, if you just get this, you can look like this. It's like a great big lie. But, but through impulse and through thinking, like, oh, I want to look like that. I've got to have that. I've got to have an ab roller. If I do that, it's so easy, and it'd be so simple. Number two, it's like boats and cars and motorcycles and toys and stuff like that. And unfortunately, um, I've had um, a version of everything on that screen. And most all of them have been impulse buys, right? Where's my wife to shout out amen right there in that moment. Um, number three, I thought this one was really funny, Beanie Babies. Anybody ever wrap up all of their worldly investment in Beanie Babies thinking, hey, that's a great retirement plan? A- anybody other than my mother? which, Mom, I love you if you're watching this. If this one makes the Internet, I love you, but I'm still broke. Uh, because, like, you <laughs> wrapped up everything in the fact these Beanie Babies are going to be worth, like, gazillions of dollars. And so there are just rooms and rooms and rooms and rooms full of them in the house. And I think we get them and give them to the dogs, right? Is that kind of what happens when she gives them to you? Like, here, Chloe, here's, here's some retirement. Here's some college money. Go sell these. And the dogs eat them. Anyway, um, Hypothetically speaking, uh, <laughs> number four, extended warranties. <laughs> been trying to reach you about your vehicles. Some of you have been, <laughs> been chased down by that, right? Here, here's where we're going with this. Here, here's the thing with impulse buys. We think that all of these things, when we see them, whether the ab roller or boats, cars, motorcycles or beanie babies or, or whatever, we, we think that they're going to make us happy in the moment. We think like, oh, my life is incomplete. My life is horrible. I've got to have that product. I saw that product. I saw that car. I saw this. I saw that. But as we talked about in the last series, nothing in this world satisfies us on a permanent basis, right? But like think about your cell phone. My my cell phone, I've I've got a Samsung Galaxy S20. The problem is it's a 20. And I just saw a commercial for the 21 that has 5G. Ultra, I don't even know what 5G is. This one's got ultra 5G. Like, I don't even know what it is, but I got to have it, right? Some of you have iPhones. They just came out with the iPhone 700 or whatever, right? You saw the commercial and the dogs got flowing hair or whatever. And and even though you've got your phone and and I've got my phone and, and they work great, that one is better, right? It's got a better camera or it's faster or whatever. Like, like don't you love your car till your neighbor gets a newer car? Don't you love your TV till your friend has a bigger, better TV? <laughs> Don't you love your sports teams? You love your sports team as long as they win and win and win and win and win and win. But you let them, a uh, six, right? You let them lose one time and you don't even support them at church. I hope you stand for Jesus better than you stand for your Hawks. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Hannah has an Iowa. I saw that when she was praying. She's the only one amongst you. The only ones amongst you worthy to be called a fan today. Here's where I'm going with this. Here's the point. There's one in there, I promise. All of these things should be a reminder to us that nothing in the world 
can completely satisfy us, which probably means that we were created for something more than this world, right? Which is one of the reasons why I love following Jesus. Because listen, Jesus not only rescues us out of hell and and gets us into heaven, that's awesome, but he rescues us from an empty life. I'll I'll show you. We're going to talk about Peter today. Um, Peter, what I love most about Peter is Peter is an idiot, just like every one of us. And Peter falls down and gets back up, and he falls down and he gets back up, and he falls down and he gets back up, and he falls down and he gets, he just like won't stay down. And Matthew, watch this, Matthew, one of the disciples, wrote this about Peter and his brother Andrew. Matthew chapter four, verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Now, real quick question. I'm not going to make fun of you much, um, but how many of you love to go fishing? Like, you love to fish. Anybody? That's great. Awesome. I don't. All right? I, don't I don't love to fish because I don't have the patience for it. Um, my son loves to go fishing, and so I love to spend time with him, and so I, I, will, I will go fishing if he's going fishing, but I don't love to fish. If you love to fish, cool. All right? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the patience for it, um, but think about this for a second. Peter and Andrew until they met Jesus, like everything in their life was dependent upon fishing. A a good day was when they had a good catch of fish. A bad day was when they had a bad catch of fish. How how would you like for all of your life's hopes, dreams, and emotions to be contingent on a catch of fish? You you wouldn't like that, right? But, But that's all they had. Like that's all the hope that they had. That's all the potential for joy that they had because if you had a really big catch one day and you didn't have a big catch the next day, you were constantly disappointed. How many people have found yourself constantly disappointed in just about everything the world has to offer for you? Right? That, that's pretty much all of us, right? And, and so fishing, like that's, that's their life. That's pretty much all they had going for them. But then the Bible says that Jesus saw them. And I love, 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 love the fact the Bible points out that they weren't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for them. They didn't find Jesus. Jesus found them. That's a side note for us. None of us find Jesus. Stop saying it, all right? Oh, I found God. I found. No, you didn't because you weren't looking for him. You were stuck in your despair, and you were in your problem, and you were in the middle of your storm, and guess who showed up? Jesus. And you locked eyes with him, and he rescued you. That's, that's incredible. Watch this, because it keeps going. Verse 19, Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. They didn't even understand what that meant. What do you mean fish for people? I guess we just throw out our line, and they grab, like, Jesus, that that doesn't even make any sense. But all they heard was, come follow me, and watch, watch this. Come follow me, and they left their nets at once and followed him, and their life was never the same. Had they not followed Jesus, they probably would have lived in a town called Capernaum, which is now in the in ruins of the Sea of Galilee for the rest of their lives. Probably nobody would have named their kids Peter. Probably nobody would have named their kids Andrew. And they would have never been known. But because they followed Jesus, they stepped out of a life that seemingly had no purpose into a life of purpose. Because what these men got to see and do for the next three years were things we could only dream of. They were going to see miracles. They were going to hear teaching. And it changed the trajectory of their lives simply because they stopped and said, yes, I will follow Jesus. See, Jesus rescues us from an empty life. When Jesus called me to follow him, he called me into a different direction 
that I had planned for myself. And he called me into a life of meaning, into a life of purpose. See, that's one of the most beautiful things about following Jesus. It's not always easy, but as we follow Jesus, our life will always have meaning because as we follow Jesus, we discover our purpose. As we follow Jesus, day by day, step by step, we discover our purpose. Now, Peter, he's discovering his purpose. He starts following Jesus, and and there's so many things that happen in Peter's life along the way that we could talk about, Um, but we're going to look at a couple today, and we're going to talk about a a couple of things. Um, If you know anything about the Bible, you've heard these stories. Um, Even if you don't know a lot about the Bible, you've probably heard these stories. Um, The first one, Matthew 14, verse 22, starts out like this. Immediately after this, and and the after this is, this is a reference to the miracle that Jesus had performed where he fed 5,000 men. Um, and scholars believe by the time you turn it, um, um, count the women and the children that were there, it's like 20,000 people. All right, so Jesus had just fed 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. That's a major miracle, yes or no? It's a big deal, yes or no? Yeah. All right, so after that big deal miracle happens, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Now, now let's focus on this. Jesus put the disciples in the boat and insisted they go to the other side. So so there's this miracle that happened. After it's all done, after it's all over, after the disciples collect the baskets and they had like X number of baskets left over because they'd fed everybody and there's even more left over that people didn't want to eat. After all of that, Jesus puts them in a boat and tells them to go to the other side. Now, just to make sure that you're paying attention, just to make sure we're on the same page who insisted that the disciples get into the boat and go to the other side jesus who we're in church the answer is always jesus who insisted jesus all right verse 23 after sending them home after sending the people home he meaning jesus went up to the hills by himself to pray night fell while he was there alone so jesus sends everybody away the disciples are out in the boat jesus is, is up on the hill and he's praying all right that's what's going on then watch this, this is a problem Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Who told the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side? Who was it? Jesus, right? Does does Jesus, let me ask this question. Does Jesus know everything that's going to happen before it happens, yes or no? Yes. Did Jesus then know a storm was coming, yes or no? So Jesus sent them into a storm? See, see, this goes against a lot of popular theology that says, oh, if you just follow Jesus, your love will be awesome. You'll ride unicorns, eat Lucky Charms, and poop Skittles for the rest of your life. It's wonderful. It's awesome. Just smile and have a great Friday. If that's you, you probably smoke crack, right? I mean, and you should probably listen to our messages from the past couple weeks. Um, but Jesus, Jesus sent them into a storm. Do you know that sometimes Jesus will send us me and you into a storm, because sometimes only in the storm can we see Jesus. Like, like sometimes, I know, I know me personally, only in the storm am I willing to look for him, and, 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 and am I willing to listen to what he has to say. Sometimes it takes a storm to get us to see what he wants us to see and know what he wants us to know. It, it really does. Sometimes it takes a storm coming into our lives for him to get us to see what he really wants us to see and know what he wants us to know. I'll, I'll tell you this, without the storm, we, we don't get the miracle. Because if, if it wasn't for the storm, we don't have the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. Watch this. They're in the storm, right? 
about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them doing what? Walking on the water. Matthew, Matthew is very specific about letting us know the time that Jesus comes walking across the water. And I always look at that and I'm always like, why? And, and I think the reason is because in the storm, often for us, in our storms, it, it, it often seems like he's not going to show up. But when he does show up, when you, when you think back and you think about the storm that you went through, you think about the time that he did show up, when, when he does get there in his way, and his time, he shows up in ways that we never, ever, ever would have seen him coming. The Bible says he's walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Now, now a, a lot of people are tough on the disciples here, but, but, but I'm thinking about this, and, and I'm looking through this, and, and I'm like, you know what, man, they weren't scared during the storm, and, and, and they should have been. They're scared when they saw Jesus, because they saw Jesus in a way they had never seen him before. See, anytime we go through a storm, one of the things we need to understand is Jesus is trying to reveal a part of himself that we have never seen before, and we never would have seen it had we not gone through the storm. So, so because of the storm, these guys are able to see Jesus more clearly than they've ever seen him before. They're, they see him differently. They see him in a different light. And because of your storm, because of my storm, we're able to see Jesus clearly or we're able to see Jesus differently than we've ever seen him before. Does that make sense? Because this gets crazy. I love this. Matthew um, says this in verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Do not be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Which they still don't know it's him. They still think it's a ghost, right? And me personally, I'm a little bothered if I'm a disciple on this boat because, see, a little earlier in another story, um, they were in a, in a storm together, and Jesus was down below deck on the boat, and he was sleeping. You might remember that story. Jesus is sleeping during the storm, and the Bible says he's down sleeping on a cushion, and the winds and the waves that come crashing, and everybody's freaking out, and they wake him up, and they're like, Lord, don't you care if we drown? Which is like all of us in the middle of the storm. Hey, Lord, don't you care about me? Don't you understand? Don't you know what I'm going through? So, so they're going through that whole, I, that whole deal, and, and he gets up, and he rebukes the storm. He's just like, knock it off, and the storm just quit. So if I'm one of the disciples, if I'm on the boat, and, and I'm looking at Jesus, and I'm seeing the wind and the waves and the crashing all over the place, I'm like, hey, do that thing again. Do that thing where you just say, knock it off. Like, just speak to the storm. Just, just make it stop. Do, do that thing. But Jesus, don't miss this, Jesus chooses not to speak to the storm. He chooses to speak to the people in the storm. Sometimes in our lives, he calms the storm, and other times, he speaks to us in the storm. And if we're listening to him, and we're looking for him, we will see him, and we will hear him clearly. Listen, 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 don't miss this. They would not have heard him had they not gone through the storm. There are so many things that Jesus has taught me inside of a storm about himself that I never, ever, ever would have known had I not gone through the storm. And the same thing is true for you. Then Peter, because Peter has to, has to be Peter. Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Have you ever asked God for a sign? Have you ever done, don't do it, but, but have you ever done it? Have, have you ever asked, all right, God, make it do this, and then God calls your bluff? He's done it to me. I'm once, I told you guys this story before, but it's worth sharing again because it's, it's, it's stupid. Um, back in March, um, I was, I was kind of 
I knew clearly what God wanted me to do in regards to my next steps. And so um, I'm like, God, if that's really what you want me to do, though, I need a sign. Because I didn't want to do it, right? And most of us don't want to take our next steps. I'm like, I don't want to do it, so, so I need a sign. It's March, there's snow on the ground. I'm like, I, I need to see a blue jay. God, if it's really what you want me to do, today you're going to show me a blue jay. And so I'm out looking in the trees, and there's no blue jays, and I'm driving down to St. Greg's, and I'm going through all the fields, and, and I'm not even seeing any birds, let alone a blue jay. And so I'm like, God, God doesn't really want me to do this, man. There's no way that, that this is going to be like, I'm just, I'm cool, man, like whatever. I get out, I'm walking up the sidewalk, and there's a couple trees as you're walking in, and I actually heard birds, so I start freaking out a little bit, and I'm looking, and there's like, and there's no blue jay. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. So like, God, you know, I didn't hear from you, blah, 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 blah. I'm going through this whole thing. I get in, and I, and I start preaching. And I'm about 10 minutes into the message, and the back door opens up. And you can't even make this stuff up. A guy walks in, sits down in the front row wearing a Toronto's Blue Jays shirt. And I was just like, freaking show off. Like, it's like, like for real. <laughs> so I'm like, like, I don't even know any Blue Jay fans. Do you? Are there any Blue Jay fans even in here? A- anybody? Are you, are you really? Or are you just trying to be a sermon illustration right now? Like, <laughs> all right, so there's one. So we know one. It might have been him wearing the shirt. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, we've been like that, right? We've been like that. And like, oh, God, do it again. The guy's like, no, I don't, I don't play that. Peter does that. Peter's basically like a challenge. Hey, if, if it's you, call out to me. Tell me to walk on the water. He, he puts out this, this really like radical challenge. And Jesus says, all right, come. Come on. And Jesus, what I love here is Jesus doesn't even care about science, man. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about the physics. He doesn't talk about the rules of nature. He just said two words. And with those two words, Peter was challenged with this question. Do I take my next step? Do, do, I, do I do it? Do, do, I, do I really? Because think about hard, how hard that had to be. Think about the faith and the courage that had to be to take that step. Think about the fear that was involved in stepping out of the boat. You know your next step is always the right step, but it's seldom an easy step, right? Like if your next step causes you a little bit of fear, I'm telling you, you're probably on the right track. If your next step causes you to to just stop and think, man, if if God doesn't intervene, I'm going to sink. Because let's all be honest, you don't even have to believe in the Bible to believe that if somebody steps out on the water, if there's not some supernatural element involved, that person's going to the bottom. They're going to sink, right? And so, yes, come, Jesus says, and then watch this. So Peter, again, think think about the faith this took. Think about the courage this took. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. This is what you would call a, a, a spiritual high. This was amazing. This is what you would call a significant experience with Jesus. This is incredible. This is, this is like first person ever to do this. This is huge. Well, then a problem happened. The Bible says, but then he saw the strong wind and the waves. He was terrified, and he began to sink. We all criticized Peter for this because he took his eyes off of Jesus. Well, if he would have just kept his eyes on Jesus, what would have happened? He would have walked all over. But, 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 but think about us. Think about you and think about me and think about the world that we live in right now. W- one of the things that, that I try not to do is I, I, try not to, I try not to listen to the news. I try not to, like, the news causes so much stress and anxiety and fear in us because we don't even know who's telling the truth, right? I mean, you're watching stuff and it's two different stories and it's just absolutely crazy. There's a, there's a story going on right now, and, and you can include this in your prayers. Um, some missionaries over in Haiti, 
um, as a Friday night or, or yesterday morning. I'm not even sure because I don't know which one's telling which one had happened. But but they got they got kidnapped by a gang, right? So some missionaries got kidnapped by a gang of of Haitians and they're being held for ransom. And that's a big thing that's happening in Haiti all over the place. And 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 this just the, the what what's going on with that? How they're even talking about it? It's just absolutely crazy. Like like the news will, will get us get us focused on one thing that, that's not even what we're supposed to be focused on. And they'll get us convinced the economy is going to crash and we're going to get invaded. And so then we get our eyes fixated on things of the world. We'll get our eyes fixated on the government. Or we get our eyes fixated on the stock market. Or we get our eyes fixed on the weather channel. We get our eyes fixed on everything else other than Jesus. And, and that's what's going on with Peter. He's walking on the water and he's got his eyes locked with Jesus. But all of a sudden, he starts to look around, and he says, oh, this, this isn't normal. And he begins to sink. And then he does this. Watch this. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Aren't you glad Peter wasn't full of pride? If Peter would have been full of pride, he would have drowned. And, and listen, don't miss this. The reason a lot of people drown in the storm is because they don't have the courage to ask for help. The reason a lot of us drown in the storm is because we're prideful. We don't have the courage to ask for help. Well, I could do this on my own. Quit any time I want. I could, I could change any time I want. I, I, I can handle this all by myself. But the Bible says Peter asked for help, and then Jesus, look at this, immediately reached out and grabbed him. Immediately. That's how fast Jesus moved. He didn't say, oh, you know what, Peter? I don't know, man. Just, uh, just going to let you sit there and tread water for a little bit, see how that works out for you. How does it feel losing faith in me, Pete? No, 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 no. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And then he said this. He said, you have so little faith. And, and I think he smiled a little bit when he did. I do. I think he kind of laughed because we pick on Peter, but what about the 11 other dudes who didn't even have the courage to get out of the boat? You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? And not all of us, in the middle of the storm, don't we doubt? Listen to me. If you're going through a storm today and you're doubting, here, here's what you need to get out of this. So did the disciples. And what you need to do is stop, lock eyes with the Savior, and walk with him. Instead of looking to everyone else and everything else to try to rescue you. Let me tell you one more thing about Peter. Um, Peter, like... Have you ever said anything, let me kind of set it up like this. You ever said anything in the moment, like you were 100% sincere in the moment, but then you went back on your word? You, you ever done that? Like you were in the sixth grade, you hypothetically told that girl that you loved her in the moment? No, no don't judge me because you've done the same thing too, right? That boy, that boy could skate backwards, and you thought it was hot because he could stick it gate backwards, and so you kissed him. You told him you'd always love him until your mama came to pick you up. Not today, you don't even know his name, Right? I'm saying sometimes we say stuff. All of us have done this at some point. In the moment, we mean it, but we're not really serious about it. We've, we've done the same thing in our walk with Jesus. And, and, and it's easy to beat up on Peter because he's like the poster child for this. But, but watch this. The apostles are, are getting ready. Um, they're getting ready to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is ultimately arrested. And the Bible says in Matthew 26, verse 31, on the way Jesus told them today, all of you will desert me. Now, this is crazy, because we just established earlier on in the message that Jesus knows everything that's going to happen before it happens, right? Jesus knew that they were going to desert him before he called them, and he still called them anyway. Isn't it amazing 
that every stupid, foolish, sinful thing we were ever going to do, Jesus knew before we even did it. And he still called us and he still made payment for that sin to be paid for. It's just, the whole grace thing just blows my mind. It really is amazing. All of you will desert me, for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Galilee is where it all started. Galilee is where he, he, he got the majority of them. He, so basically what he's saying here is like, hey, here's what's going to happen. You're going to desert me. I'm going I'm to be killed. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And then we're going to get back together in Galilee. We're going we're gonna to go where it all started, boys. I want to have a fresh start. I will go ahead of you in Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Can you, can you imagine how insulting this was to the other apostles? Can, can you imagine? Hey, these fools might turn their back on you, but Jesus, hey, hey, Jesus, nah, not me. I'm your boy. I'm your ride or die, man. I'm, we're dogs. Like we, we, we ne- never, I will never turn my back on you, Jesus. Now, this is what I believe. I believe in that moment, Peter was legit. I believe in that moment, Peter was real. I, I, I believe in that moment that Peter was 100% fully committed. If the Roman soldiers would have showed up in that moment, I think Peter would have laid down his life, just like all of us. In certain situations of our life, we've told Jesus, not me, Mm-mm. I'll never do that. I'll never do that. I'll never go here. I'll I'll never be like that. I will always do this. I will always be right here. And then we find ourselves going back on our commitment, right? Just like Peter. Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three, you will deny three times that you even know me. Peter couldn't even believe that. Peter couldn't fathom that. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Peter, in that moment, was so caught up, made a promise, and then he fell back on it. Now, let me say this. Anytime we do something that we said we would never do, anytime we make a promise to Jesus and we fall back on that promise, all of us feel two very, very common emotions. The first one is loneliness. We've talked about this a ton in the past few weeks, but the enemy he, he does his best to convince you and me that you're the only one dealing with the problem. Don't talk about that. Don't tell anybody about that. Can't talk about it. Can't tell anyone about it. You know why? Because you're the only one. No one else has ever dealt with what you're dealing with. Nobody else has ever gone through that. All of us, when we get like that, we feel alone and isolated and worthless, which leads to the second emotion that we feel shame. And when I say shame, I'm, I'm, I'm talking deep shame over the fact that we're doing something that we said we would never do. But just like Jesus, just like what Jesus did for Peter, Matthew chapter 4, he rescued him from an empty life, gave him purpose. Just like Jesus did in the storm, he rescued Peter when Peter started to sink. He did the same thing for Peter when he rose from the dead. The women are are going to the tomb to to prepare Jesus' body for burial. Everyone has fled. All all the men are are in hiding. All of them had denied. All of them had deserted, just like Jesus had said. And and in in Mark, Mark chapter 16, we see that the women are going there to to basically finish the job, get it it all done, because it's it's all over. And an angel shows up. We've heard this story before. But the angel says this, now go and tell his disciples, including who? Peter, right? 
including Peter, and I love this, this is huge, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. In other words, hey, go tell Peter. And make sure Peter knows. Amongst all of you, amongst all of the apostles, the disciples, about everybody, hey, make sure you tell Peter. Remind Peter. Tell Peter, hey, Peter, I rescued you from an empty life, and I rescued you from the storm, and I will rescue you from your denial, because I am your rescue story. For those of us in the room, you feel like you're alone, empty-handed in the storm. I'm telling you, Jesus today is ready for a rescue. Jesus' rescue might not come in our time, but it always comes in his time. And even when we think he's late, he, he always has a plan and a purpose. Allow him today to be your rescue story. As we close, Claudia is going to come up here, and she's going to sing a song. Um, it's one we do here a lot. As a matter of fact, we did it for communion. It's called Rescue Story. We're going to have a board up here right in front of, right in front of me um, that says at the top, Jesus, rescue me from. And as she sings, if you feel led, I want you to come up here. There will be some markers up on the, up on the ground. Um, and, and I want you to come up here and write what you want to be rescued from. Like, like what is that area of your life? Jesus, rescue me from worry. Rescue me from anxiety. Rescue me from addiction. Rescue me from blank. And, and, and allow him to move. Because, so again, Colossians Colossians 1 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us, rescued and transferred us, taken us from where we are to where he wants us to be, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. There's absolutely nothing that you're going through today that Jesus cannot rescue you from. And so during this song, I want us to focus on the fact that even if we feel alone, we're not alone. We need to lock eyes with our Savior and understand that Jesus is our rescue story.